Imagine you picked up the most important book in the world, a book with words that can transform hearts. Now imagine it was full of highlights and notes in the margin and you could see how this book has transformed someone's heart. This is the Notable Podcast. These are the discussions of twin pastors who share their underlining and highlighting. This is Season 6, Strengthen Hearts, a podcast on First Thessalonians. We talked about giving to people the secret to the winning life. And I, and I, I think that title lends itself to a lot of misunderstanding, Jonathan. <laughs> The secret to well, the and if winning it does, <laughs> If it does, then we're going to have to talk about people's ambitions. Exactly. You know? That's so the, <laughs> that's where we're going with this with this episode. The Apostle Paul is going to give us the secret to the winning life. And not winning against other people, but a life that is actually winning. That that it 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 says and gains by the way that you live in quietness and the fear of God. The, the respect of outsiders. And so we're going to be talking about ambition today, about minding your own business, what it means to work with your hands, and to really have a life that is truly winning um, for the sake of Jesus and, and all for his glory. You ready for that, Jonathan? Yeah, we're, we're going to tackle uh, just a few verses here in First Thessalonians chapter 4. And uh, remember, listeners, that we're in this bullet list of Paul's. Paul's given us instructions on how to live in order to please God. And we're going to cover just one of those bullet points. We're going to talk about a winning life, like Timothy said. And there's just, I think we can read these verses and then really break them down. Uh, And we can read them because we're just not covering as much content this time. So here we are. I'm in verse 9. It says, Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more, and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. There's this bullet point. There it is, yeah. And so this is where we're going. You you heard it at the end of the verses there. Just three verses today. And we want to have the winning life. In other words, a life that would win the respect of outsiders. And it's really beautiful how Paul gets this section started. He actually uses a word that's only used once in Scripture. He says, you know this, in fact, you know it so well that you've been God taught. You've been taught by God. It's it's a beautiful um, testimony that God spoke these truths right into their hearts. Yeah, it's uh, it's I love this. When you think about this from a literary standpoint, like what Paul did here, first of all, he says, I don't. I don't need to talk to you about this, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. I don't I don't need to write about this, but I'm going to write about it anyway. That's exactly what he's saying. And so it's a very gentle, very pastoral way to approach people. 
But like you said, it's not just a literary tactic, it's a spiritual reality. These are people who have been taught by God. Um, these, we are, in other words, we're living, you could put it like this, we're living in this time of the new covenant. The Holy Spirit has been poured out into us. Uh, Jeremiah says this new covenant um, is coming. It's actually now come. Jeremiah 31, 33, I will put my law in their minds. I will write it on their hearts. This is something that's God taught, like you said, very special word. And uh, so we don't even need to talk about this today. But we're going to. Yeah, we're going to we're going to talk about we're going <laughs> to talk about a life a life that is winning. And we're going to take these verses a little bit out of order, but we have we have some thought put into that. And we first wanted the first point of of having a winning life would be that you would work with your hands, right? That you would work with your hands. Does that mean that you need to be a carpenter? Does that sort of force you into the blue collar life? Is that what Paul's saying? Work with your hands, work with your hands, work with your hands. I think Paul, the apostle Paul's a tent maker. He's thinking about working with your hands. I, I think one of the ways that we can think about this is that what God is calling us here to is is a productive life, a useful life. And in fact, the the obvious background to these words is Genesis. If you go back to Genesis, God gave us a create to human to human beings. He gave us a creation. We can call it a creational mandate. He said, "This is what I want you to do. I want you to garden this place. I want you to make this place beautiful. I want you to make this place." better you know and so yes it means being a plumber yes it means being a carpenter yes it means being a farmer yes it means being a gardener all those things but it could also mean other things this world um, needs great lawyers this world needs great educators this world needs um, great clerks and you know the, the artists uh, pastors um, go on and on, you know. Um, all of these can be ways where you're cultivating, see, you're cultivating God's beautiful creation, making this a better place. Yeah, amen to that, amen to that. And so there's, you know, there's so many, we, we can talk about like the doctrine of vocation here. That That's really what we're talking about, the, how we're each called uniquely by our talents, by our experiences, by by the situations that God puts us in, um, how we're going to act, how we're going to act, and how we're going to live this life with our hands, and and to get them dirty, and to do the hard work of be beautifying and sanctifying and loving on people. That's what Paul's calling us to do here. There's a. a this is so uh, alien. It's foreign to the rest of the way the world thinks. You know, um, I remember sitting down with um, somebody uh, who was just out of high school, and we were talking about, you know, how should I go live my life, Pastor? And, and I said to this young man, don't think about money. Think about how you can be useful. See, the world is always chasing dollar bills. How can I make the most money? How can I make a name for myself? And Christians look at the world and they look at themselves and they say, how am I built? 
how can I be useful? How can I actually make this place a better place? That's what's worthwhile doing with our lives. We don't have a praise motive or a profit motive. We have a productivity. How about that for some <laughs> alliteration today? I just came up with that on the spot. Oh, <laughs> I was rolling. But that's, that's, uh, that's it right there. Uh, it's so different. And if you look at, I could go off on this forever. Maybe I will. <laughs> we'll see. But I think about all of the great achievements in this world, all of the cultivation that Christians have put into this world. You know, when this world needed abolitionists, who were the great abolitionists? Christians were. Um, when this world um, needed, uh, was going through the Industrial Revolution, who was one of the big leaders of that? Henry Ford. He was a Christian. Um when we've made um, advancements in, in physics, like foundational science, who are people who did that? Um, Einstein and Newton, they're, they're Christians. Because we're not in it for ourselves. We can have these productive, useful lives. Yeah, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And Christians really do desire to, to love and to make people's lives easier so to say and so it leads to this this ardent desire to do our callings for the sake of others um christians have another benefit so we want the apostle paul says a winning life is a life that um works with hands a winning life is also a life that where you mind your own business and we can talk about that in a lot of different ways um did you know the Bible? Did you know that that's a quote from the Bible? I'm, th I'm asking the listeners right now, like, you know how people say, I don't think that the Bible has the same tone, but you know how people say, mind your own business. <laughs> but they're, they're actually quoting the Bible when they say that. Um, probably the Bible has a different tone, like I say, but Christians are people who mind their own business. Yeah, so I know, <laughs> I know you, Jonathan, wanted to talk about how that brings focus to our lives. I, I also wanted to just spend a little bit of time talking about meddling. Just a little bit of time talking about meddling. That has that's a word that it's kind of the opposite of saying don't meddle is 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 the same thing as saying mind your own business. So so in other words, like a good example of this is um sort of the older moms of the world who have adult children they always look at the younger moms and they want to give them advice, right? Unsolicited advice <laughs> about how to raise their children. And, you know, I see this all the time. It's it, people want to give uns, everyone, at least in my state, wants to be the governor right now because they certainly know how to run the state of New York better than the governor. And, people um sometimes this never happens in my church so but people always want to tell the pastor how to run the church and how to and we can go on and on and on everybody's always trying to uh really what it is is meddling and and just to be super clear meddling is sin it, it's it's seeing yourself for more than what god has called you to be and and when you meddle it, it, it is sin um and it's hurtful it's hurtful just ask 
anyone who has experienced meddling and they'll tell you even if you mean well you know even if you mean well it doesn't matter if you mean well if it's not your calling to do it then you don't get to do it yeah it doesn't it doesn't your intentions might be awesome but when you step into a place um you're not supposed to be i (laughs) i i think there's i think there's a lot of good examples like just go through just go through the commandments like what happens when people try to be their own police officers you know that doesn't go well <laughs> you know vigilante justice doesn't go well what what happens to families when husbands try to be uh husbands to women they're not husbands to it's called adultery um what happens when people try to do ba- brain surgery and they're actually not surgeons death right um, this doesn't go well, um, and that's why it's sin. It hurts people really, really badly. Um, it's I like to call I like to think of it love beyond limits, and love beyond limits is no longer love. So one of the things that helps us think about like okay, how how should I use my hands? How can I make sure to mind my own business and and really live out the the callings? I really think it starts with recognizing just just how many callings you have so as as a for me it'd be like as a father as a pastor as a brother as a son as a friend as a employee and so instead of meddling and saying oh i wish this person in authority over me wanted to done this i should really be thinking about how i i'm already being called to serve well beyond my what i'm able to do well i just am and to really focus on those relationships that'll really prevent a lot of meddling from from happening as we live out everything that god's called us to be well you know yeah i always i always think about it like this what if what if every husband decided you know my biggest job was to be a great husband i don't have to worry about all that other stuff what if what if every member of a church decided, I'm going to be a great member of a church. What does that look like for me right now? Um, I, I think about my callings. Like, I have enough to do <laughs> in my own little life. I don't need anybody else's business. I'm not, I'm not, I need to just, I got enough on my plate with just being a pastor, being a husband, being a dad, <laughs> being a citizen right now. Um, there's plenty to do there. And then when we do that, the world spins. Yeah, the world works. You you could think about it this way, because some people are God created us all uniquely, and and some of us, and and I think I'm one of them, see ourselves as being really really responsible people, and and we really do want the best for the organizations that we're involved in, for the movements that we're involved in, and all these different things. Um, so like our our this responsibility that we we feel really can easily overextend itself it can overextend itself and so a person like that so i've had to spend time thinking about okay what what is it what what am i responsible for and to then let the rest go just let it go and to trust the people that who who are responsible for those things and um to pray for them to pray for them that might be the best thing to do uh instead of meddling yeah and trust 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 god you know beyond that trust god this is his world he has people where he wants them if people don't do their callings and things get broken 
our God is a God who brings justice and he brings healing. He can handle that. What he wants us to do is to do what he's called us uniquely to do and to entrust everything else to him. And like I said, when when we do that, the, the world just turns. I mean, I think of um, Louis Pasteur. He was a uh, he was a Christian man, and he's known today, and maybe some of our listeners know this, as the father of microbiology. And he was a scientist, and he was a great Christian scientist, and he was a dog with a bone, and he just wouldn't believe, he just wouldn't allow people to, to keep believing, um, which, and this is, by the way, very Darwinian, but people back then used to believe that that germs came from spontaneous generation. Every, he just couldn't get people to stop believing that. And so uh, Louis Pasteur, being the Christian man that he is, he realizes that everything is created by God. Things don't just spontaneously generate. He was like a dog with a bone, and he, and he figured it out. Where do germs come from, and how do they spread? And today, in 2020, Louis Pasteur, the father of microbiology, because he was a dog with a bone, because he minded his business, because he did what he was called to do as a scientist, we, he saved countless lives. I mean, how many, how many people has he saved in this pandemic? I mean, think about it. Um, so much of what he learned um, in what we're practicing today comes from him. Yeah. So this is all, all, everything that we're talking about is part of the winning life. And again, we're winning the respect of outsiders, but it means working with your hands. It means staying focused. Um, it means not meddling. It means uh, minding your own business, but it also means one more thing. And we re- we've really backed into this, but maybe this is the most important part of what Paul teaches here. He says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. There we have it. So I don't even know how to express ambition, but it's almost, it's almost paradoxical. Like I think about this, that word ambition in the context of New York city, that what we get here is people come out here and they want to make it big. They want to go on Broadway. They want to make a lot of money on wall street. They want to make it in the jazz world. They want to get um, on Broadway. Like if you want to be at the top of your industry, you have to be in New York City. That's the, that's the way it is. And so people come here with incredible ambition to make a name for themselves. So it almost sounds a little bit like um, Babel, right? A little bit like Babel. And, and like it's like you say, it's paradoxical. Yeah. Make it your ambition to have no ambition. Yeah, well, I mean... That's, <laughs> that's what it sounds like exactly to, uh, to, says, a, <laughs> to an outsider. <laughs> make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and that's that's really something to think about make it your ambition to lead a quiet life can you imagine if the apostle paul busted this out at a commencement speech (laughs) (laughs) hey graduates (laughs) here's what you should be ambitious for a, a quiet life um I think it shows what what parents want for their kids. Do parents want their kids to have a quiet life? Do we want ourselves to have a quiet life? I'm not so sure about that. And and I think the way that we can get one of the ways that we can get at this is um, ask ourselves this question: 
what is our ambition? <laughs> what actually is is your ambition? And I think there's there's three. I, I thought of this. I thought about this. And I think there's three ways that you can maybe get at this, uh, and really examine for yourself what your ambition is. So you ready? I got three things. Ready? One. Um, think about what you really want for your future. That's what you're ambitious for. Two, think about what you regret about your past. You are ambitious for that. And then three, and this might be the purest one, is uh, think about what you want for your kids. It might be teasing out your ambition. Yeah, I mean... I'm just meditating on those questions that, that you asked, like thinking about what is it that, that I want for my future? Like where do you, the a popular question is like, where do you see yourself in five years, 10 years, 20 years, whatever. And, and then the, put the building blocks in place to make sure that you get there. And I keep finding myself thinking, um, I want to be in glory with Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> So in, in, in the meantime, though, you know, I want to, I want to serve people. And so I guess I'm already answering the question. So ambition, that's really what we're getting at. And the ambition to be, to, to lead a life that is peaceful, that is quiet, that people can look at and say, that's a really honorable life. That's a really that that's a that's a person that um i value like a you know i think about a teacher um and how day in and day out year in and year out they're 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 there teaching third graders or first graders it's a very honorable life and it's a god-pleasing life and it's a quiet life and nobody knows about them. Nobody's trumpeting on social media about them. Nobody's um, having banquets um, for them. They just do their life. Yeah, and there and there's something. I read this quote in a book. There's something very beautiful and very satisfying about about a life like that, where you accomplish a little task that. Uh, very few people are going to be like, "Oh, you did that today." Um, but when you when you look at the things that you've done with your hands, and and you know that you've done it for God, you can take quiet contentment in it and praise the name of Jesus and say, "Thank you, Jesus, that I was able to do that today, and I'm quietly content in that." And I don't. I made dinner for my family. That was great, and nobody's. You know, nobody's cheerleading that, <laughs> but God, you know. Yeah, I, I I think that's exactly right. And to take to just take quiet contentment in that. I one of my favorite moments that I've had over the last three months or so that I took quiet contentment in was my my little daughter came and like she's she's three and she like said my space daddy so we were we were reading this little book and i it was about this this navajo native american who had 
just died, but he had been saved because he knew the gospel. And I was like, tears were streaming down my face. And I said, girls, we're going to get to go to heaven someday. And Felicity says, daddy, I can't wait to go to heaven and be with Jesus. And you can take, you can take quiet contentment in this mo those moments and say, thank you, God, that I've been able to be a father to this precious daughter. That's really what it's all about. <laughs> That's what Paul's saying. This is a winning life, a very winning life. It's something, it's something so different, I think, from the way the world approaches it. I, I saw this uh, piece in a satirical newspaper called The Onion. <laughs> and I just want to read it because I think it's kind of funny and think, I think people will get it. But it's an article about um, ambition, the world's ambitions. Anyway, it's kind of making fun of the view of it. Here's how it reads. Longtime acquaintances confirmed this week that local Michael Husmer, an unambitious 20-year-old loser who leads an enjoyable and fulfilling life, still lives in his hometown and has no desire to leave. Claiming that the aimless slouch has never resided more than two hours from his parents and still hangs out with friends from high school, sources close to Husmer reported that the man, who has meaningful, lasting personal relationships, and a healthy work-life balance is an unmotivated washout who's perfectly comfortable being a nobody for the rest of his life. <laughs> yeah, it, people often kind of mock that kind of life, but it, I don't know that the Apostle Paul would. I think what he's saying here is he values it. He values it. God sees it, and he loves it. What if this world wasn't our oyster? And what if it wasn't here for us to get the pearls out of it that we want to get out of it and to, to take out of the world what we want and need? What if this world was actually here for us to cultivate, to love, and to serve? That's what we're talking about. It, and that's a beautiful life. Instead of trying to see what you can take out of this life, instead, what can I put into this life to really bless people? But see, the, the underlying issue here, and this is what drives our Christian faith, is we can live a quiet life because we've already been justified. We don't have to go out and look for the big thing, whatever it is. Um, there's a cartoonist by the name of Tim Kreider. He once wrote, Busyness serves as a kind of existential reassurance, a hedge against e emptiness. You know, why is it that sometimes um, we want to be so busy, we, we're so full of striving, we have to do this, we have to do that, we have to do this in our career, we have to finish our bucket list, or whatever. And why, why are we doing that? Finally, uh, we Christians, we would call that, it's striving for justification. We want to feel worthwhile. We want to feel like our lives matter. And what Christians know and what we get to push into our hearts by the power of the gospel more and more is that we've already been justified by the blood of Jesus. We don't have to do something big and striving and ambitious with our lives because Christ did that for us. He was raised from the dead, uh, proving that we're justified through faith in him. 
there's this song that I like to listen to. I, I forget the name of, uh, of it right now, but the, the artist, the musical artist sings about the pastor who serves 40 years in a small country church. And he's just there with people. Like he prays with people when mom dies and he, he marries people and he baptizes their babies and he, and he, and he does these things and, and, and he lives what some people would call a very small life, but it's a very impactful life. He, he talks about, you know, the dad who decides to spend some quality time with his kids. And it's a quiet thing to do. It's a, it's a thing that nobody's going to notice, but it's so impactful on little hearts and minds. And we could just, we could just keep going like that. The, um, the mom who takes some of those, uh, you know, wage, uh, earning years and decides to stay home or the, or the dad that does that, you know, these are, these are thing these are decisions that Christians are more than happy to make in some, in some cases, um, to serve. So the winning life, the winning life is a life that it's threefold. Like Paul says, you work with your hands, you mind your own business and you stay focused on, on your own business. And, um, your ambition is just to, to, to be quiet and to take joyful contentment in a job well done. The bullet points continue next time. We're justified by Jesus. It's time for us to get quiet and uh, work with our hands. <laughs>